Good morning, Calvary fam. Happy New Year. So to kick things off today, we're going to start with the obligatory reflection of 2020. One of the positive things that 2020 brought us was an abundance of memes. So let's go ahead and take a look at a few together. All right, so sometimes it's really nice to laugh at some of the things that have happened to us in the past year, but I think there's a lot more to what 2020 meant for us. 2020 brought a lot of unexpected things and a lot of really difficult things. On a basic level, we've had to adapt to working from home or to distance learning. We've had to adapt to not seeing our family and friends We've had the stress of not knowing whether toilet paper will be in stock at Target. And we've had to figure out a new normal for literally everything. And then figure it all out again the next week when everything changed again. On a deeper level though, you may have experienced some really heavy stuff this year too. Like the fear of yourself or loved ones getting sick from COVID. Or maybe you've had the worst mental health season that you've had yet, and it's been really hard to just do the normal things. Maybe you're stuck in a toxic environment at home. You might be feeling completely alone, isolated, and anxious. Maybe finances have been tight, or you've been struggling to make ends meet while unemployed. Maybe relationships at home have gotten really tense. Or maybe you just can't get the hang of online classes and you're constantly afraid of failing out. Our country has navigated this pandemic while also experiencing a world of unrest filled with political and racial tension. Suicide rates have gone up. Overall, mental health statistics are through the roof, and families are having to adapt to a completely new routine and dynamic. It's felt like a year without hope sometimes. And I laugh a little, because at the beginning of last January, I kept hearing people talk about how 2020 was going to be a year of vision. A bit ironic, right? I mean, we were talking all cute about how we were gonna see things in a new light, how we were gonna have greater vision in 2020. And then 2020 happened. <laughs> and wow, we have seen a lot. We have seen a lot this year. And these things that we've seen have really shaken things up for us. And I, th 
think our perspectives did change on a lot of things. I think we have been realizing what things really matter to us. We've had the chance to reevaluate our priorities and to see what things we really need to get through this thing called life. So maybe we did have this year of vision in a way. Maybe this past year has given us a chance to learn in a way that nothing else really could teach us. And I think each one of us sees the world a bit differently after walking through all that this year has brought. So as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, my first idea, the first thing that I thought about was how can we look back on 2020 and shift our perspective? How can we shift our perspective on what this last year held for us? I was thinking about how we can look back on the year and see the positives, how we can reframe our experiences that we've had this year in a way that helps us to get something out of it. And I was thinking about how I could talk about all the opportunities for growth that we've had this year to change our vision on what 2020 actually was. But the more I kept going down that trail, the more I ignored the reality of what this year actually held. And I brushed over the real and difficult things that this year brought for us. And in doing this, I kept moving more towards how I could fix myself, how I could fix this weird year that we've been having, how I could control the narrative to make myself feel better. And in doing this, I was moving further and further from the truth of the gospel. And I realized that there's really only one thing that I wanted to share with you guys about this last year. I really want you to know that the gospel, the truth of the gospel, is that when we are at our worst, God is faithful. When we are at our worst, God is faithful. As we kick off 2021, I believe that knowing this, that claiming this narrative and letting this be our reality is more important than figuring out our priorities for the year. It's more important than setting resolutions and more important than figuring out who we want to be through all of what 2021 brings. If we can have vision to see that our God will be faithful through all that this new year will bring, I think that is what's going to change 2021 for each of us. Because the truth of the gospel is that when we are at our absolute worst, we are loved by the creator of the universe. So today we are going to be talking about the Exodus story. It's the story of when God brings the people of Israel out of Egypt and the adventure that they have together in the desert. And when I think about 2020, I feel like there's a bit of similarity between the two. I mean, first off, talk about plagues of killer gnats, food supply taking a hit, crazy weather, and a time of darkness where no one could see anyone else or leave their home for days. Okay, maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but I really think there's a lot that this story can teach us about the gospel. We are going to be reading together from Exodus 16, starting with verse 1. 
So feel free to pull out your Bible. If you're at home, grab your Bible from your bookshelf or your coffee table or to pull out your phone and look it up. Um, And while you're doing that, I'm going to give a bit of context for this story. So the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were forced to do difficult work, and they weren't free to live as they'd wish. They were trapped, oppressed, and mistreated. The story begins when God calls Moses to lead his people out of slavery and into a new land, flowing with milk and honey. Then cue in the time of the plagues, with each of these plagues bringing a new disaster, and Pharaoh being stubborn each step of the way. And then the reign of plagues ends with the Passover and the death of the firstborn sons of Egypt. And finally, finally, Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. And as they run away from Pharaoh and away from their slave masters, they feel like they've escaped. But then they look back and see that Pharaoh changed his mind. He sent an army of chariots to capture them again. So now they feel like they've gotten a taste of hope just for it to be ripped away. They feel like their hope is gone and they believe that they are going to die. They say that it would have been better for them to still be slaves in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. And then there's the whole episode with the Red Sea, and the Egyptians follow them through the parted sea. But God deals with that issue pretty swiftly. And then finally, they are safe from the hands of Pharaoh. And they begin their adventure in the desert. But it starts off with their only source of water being bitter and undrinkable, and they complain about being thirsty. So God makes the water safe for them to drink. And here is where our story picks up. So if you'll read with me, Exodus 16, verse 1. Then the whole community of Israel sent out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around, pots filled with meat, and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Hindsight isn't quite 2020 for them here. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, By evening, you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaints which are against him not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. Okay, so to summarize, the Israelites thought that they were trapped 
by the Egyptians, and God showed up in a very visible way by parting the Red Sea. And then three days without water brings the Israelites to a point of doubting everything. They doubt that God will show up. Now, three days without water is a seriously long time, and I can't imagine being that thirsty while traveling in the desert. But God hears them, and he shows up. He shows that he cares. And then we see in this text that we read that they start complaining again. They are frustrated with Moses and Aaron, and everybody is tired of this whole situation. It's been a long month, and they are fed up. They are feeling hangry, and again, say that it would have been better to still be slaves than to be stuck in the desert dying with no food. But as we read, God took care of them. He gave them meat each evening and bread every morning. As the story continues, they continue to face challenges, and they continue to complain. They voice their doubt about Moses and Aaron, and also they doubt that God is going to show up. Over and over again, they repeat this. They continue to travel through the desert, and they set up camp at a place with no water, and the grumbling starts again. But of course, God takes care of them. And then they run into an enemy army, and surprise, God takes care of them. So the story of Exodus is this whole saga, and this journey through the desert ends up taking 40 years. To paint this picture a bit, it was long enough for Moses' father-in-law to come visit him in the desert. It was long enough for it to be necessary to make laws so that the Israelites wouldn't keep being terrible to each other. And it was long enough for the Israelites to have battles with enemies they found in the desert. This was no easy journey. And for the Israelites, I'm sure it felt like this time in between Egypt and the Promised Land was going to last forever. I bet they thought that they would forever remain in the wilderness. And boy, do I relate to that. This year has felt like forever. And also, it's worth mentioning that the Israelites don't necessarily look super great throughout this whole journey. They continue to doubt God, continue to argue with each other, and they never really stop grumbling and complaining. All right, so now that we've covered all the basics of the story, let's talk about a few things we can take away from all of this. First, God responds with love and care. One thing that really stands out to me throughout the whole story of Exodus is the way that God continues to care for his people, even when they are at their worst, when they are crabby and complaining God continues to love them and show up for them. He showed up to care for them when they were trapped in Egypt. He showed up to care for them when they needed a way out at the Red Sea. He showed up to care for them when they were thirsty and had no water. And he showed up to care for them when they had gone days without food. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 16 say that there too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. When they were at their worst, 
God continued to love them. In verse 4, God says to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. God showed up to care for them. And a lot of the time, God shows up in ways we would never expect. Whether it takes 40 years or a pillar of fire and a parting of the sea, or a mysterious honey bread flake that comes from the morning dew, we know that God responds to our needs with care. And I don't know about you, but during 2020, I wasn't really my best self. Maybe you can relate to feeling constantly short on patience, always tired, and just ready for this year to be over. I wasn't the person that I hoped to be, and I wasn't the person that I am when I'm at my best. And it's so easy to look back on this year with shame, to condemn myself for not being perfect, and to be frustrated with all the things I didn't accomplish or all the ways that I feel like I failed. But I think this story reminds us that even if you weren't the person you wanted to be this last year, even if you weren't the best version of yourself, even if you were at your worst, that God stays close. His love for us isn't based on our actions. It isn't dependent on our righteousness. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. This is the heart of the gospel. When we are a mess, when we can't get it together, and when we do things that we aren't proud of, God still loves us. The truth of the gospel is that when we are at our worst, God is faithful. When we are at our worst, God shows up with a rescue. And this brings us to the second truth that we see in this story, that God is our rescuer. Throughout the Exodus story, God continually showed up as rescuer for the Israelites. When God spoke to Moses in the burning bush at the very beginning of the story, he already had a plan in place for his people's escape. He puts this rescue plan into motion and saves them from their captivity. He rescues them from their difficult situation and begins to bring them into this new life that he's promised. He again shows up at the Red Sea when Israel had been cornered by the Egyptians and they thought that they had no way out. And again, he rescues them when they are journeying through the desert and can't find anything to drink. And once again, he rescues them when an enemy army approaches and they had no chance of winning. But God brought them victory. God was Israel's rescuer. And God acting as a rescuer throughout all of this with the Israelites points to how God shows up as a rescuer through Jesus. And what a sweet rescue we have in the love of Christ. In our desperate need for rescue, God shows up in the person of Jesus. When we were trapped by the weight of our sin with no hope to rescue ourselves, no way to redeem ourselves on our own, God showed up with a rescue plan. Jesus' death and resurrection is our rescue. 
As we journey throughout life with all of our grumbling and all of our challenges, God's love towards us never changes because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He stepped into our place of brokenness and paid the price for us to be made whole. And because of this rescue, we continue to daily have this hope of rescue to hold on to throughout whatever life brings. And I think we see in this Exodus story that even when there is no end in sight, when there's no way we can see a possible rescue, that our wilderness doesn't last forever. Throughout God's people waiting for their Savior to come, there was hope of rescue. And in our waiting, we continue to hold on to our rescuer. No matter what 2020 brought for you, God was the one who is patient and kind. He was the savior and redeemer. He was the one who pursues his people. God continues to be the God who responds with care and the God who proves himself to be our rescuer. The truth of the gospel is that when we are at our worst, God is faithful. However you are experiencing brokenness, hopelessness, or pain right now, God is your hope for rescue. And I believe that when we know God's faithfulness, when we know he shows up with a rescue, that it gives us a new perspective. In the Exodus story, there's really two main voices that we see going back and forth. We have the voice of the Israelites, and we have the voice of God. First, we see the experience of the Israelites, right? We see the challenges that they faced. We see the terrible experience that experiences that they were having, but we also see the reactions to everything as well. Their voice cries out to God in need, but it also cries out in frustration, in anger, and in wanting things to look different. And their voice had a fair amount of complaining. And I think it is so easy to look at this story and think, come on, Israelites, you can do better shape up, have a better attitude. And I think we can so easily focus on this as the main lesson of the story. When we look at the Israelites and say, you should have done better, shape up, we're missing the whole point. Because without both voices of the story, we don't have the whole picture. The other voice in the story is God. We see so much about God's character through the way that he speaks back to his children. He responds to their grumbling and their bad attitudes with love and care. We see God's faithfulness to his people despite their mess. Even in their mess, in their grumbling, God continues to love. The truth of the gospel is that when we are at our worst, God is faithful. And I think as we recognize the actions of both the Israelites and God through this story, we see that it is not about our goodness, it's about his. When we are at our worst, Christ died for us. And when we continue to be messy, broken humans, God's love remains unconditional. So when you think about this year that we've all just had, and all the things that 2020 held for you, how does thinking about God's faithfulness shift your perspective? And all that 2020 brought, 
how do you see God's faithfulness to you? How does knowing that God shows up with care change how you see the beginning of this new year? I think it's also really important to say that when we remember God's faithfulness to us, we don't need to overlook or invalidate our pain. Knowing that God is faithful does not mean that life will magically get better and that all our pain will go away. But it does mean that through the pain we have a hope that lasts. And so finally, I think this story leaves us with one last thought. That hope fuels love. Moses' patience towards Israel, his commitment to leading them even through all of the mess, even through all of their complaining and them doubting him over and over again. I think his love for these people was because Moses was holding on to the fact that God was faithful to his people. Through the frustration and the challenges of that season, God kept reminding Moses that he would show up. And I think when we know this, when we know who our God is as a loving father, it gives us the capacity to love as well. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 13 says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Any, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. God continues his work of making us holy. And his work in us is to make us people that love. Because of this hope that we have, because we know that God will show up, we can care for the people in our lives. We can show up for them when they are in need. We can communicate what the love of God is like to the people around us. Because everyone is looking for hope in some way. And we have had a brutal year. So how can you let someone know that they are not alone, that they are loved, and that they belong? How can you invite them into an experience with their creator God through the way you share hope with them? And maybe sharing hope means Letting them know about the four things that we've talked about today. Letting them know that God responds with care and love to them. Letting them know that God is their rescue. Letting them know that God's faithfulness is what will change their perspective. Letting them know that hope fuels love. No matter how you enter into this year, we all have the opportunity to love better and to be loved better. God's love for us is what fuels this. 
And I think it can be so hard to remember that God is faithful sometimes, especially when life is really difficult. And I think this is one of the amazing things about small groups. We get to remind each other about the real and lasting hope that we have. And we get to do this in real time alongside one another. And when we are going through dark seasons, we get to be reminded of how loved we are by your community. How can you be more vulnerable with your small group this year about times when hope feels difficult? And how can you remind friends in your small group about God's faithfulness in the middle of their pain and challenging situations? And I think as we reflect on this difficult year and all that has been thrown at us, we should see how much we really need each other. I think we should also see, too, that people around us are struggling as well. At Calvary, we talk about having no hurdles to hope for people coming to know Jesus' love. What might it look like to be an image of hope to people in your community? How can you show up and love your neighbors and friends? So as we're entering into this new year, what does it look like to enter into 2021 and change our vision to focus on God's faithfulness? To be reminded that in everything this year will bring, God is our hope for rescue. That when we are at our worst, God is faithful. And I think one really big thing to remember is that living a Christian life, that Christian living isn't the same thing as the gospel. Living a perfect life isn't the thing that saves us or gives us hope. But our Christian life gets to build on the gospel. We can't live a Christian lifestyle. We can't love God well. We can't love our neighbor well unless we build our lives on the truth of God's love for us. Because we can't earn God's love. And our goodness doesn't change our place before God. It doesn't change our worth or our value. Because it is all about his goodness and not ours. And according to this story about the Israelites, following God isn't about perfection. They never got close to perfection. And that's why we needed Jesus. Jesus is the goodness that we build our lives on, and our goodness is a reflection of the love that God has shown us. That's why I want to start this year off with this, this truth, because there are so many voices around us saying, be better. Come on, shape up. You can do better. There's so much pressure at the beginning of a new year to start a new diet, start a new reading plan, to change so many things in your life to make yourself better. And those things can be really good, but they're only good when they're built on the truth that you are already loved. Not as a means to prove that we are worthy of love. So I hope that you take this into the new year. The gospel is the truth that when we are at our worst, God is faithful. Will you pray with me? Abba Daddy, we praise you for being a God that loves us. We thank you that in the middle of our mess and our brokenness, in the middle of our despair and complaining, you are the God that shows up to care for us. Yeah, Father, we just praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for your faithfulness to the Israelites and showing up for them with a rescue. 
And we praise you for the way that you showed up with a rescue in Jesus. And we continue to praise you every day when you show up as our rescue. And so, Father, I just ask that as we're entering in this new year, that we would build our lives on the truth that we are so deeply loved by our creator. And I ask that that love that we have would fuel us to love the people in our lives better. Father, we just praise you for being a loving God. And we just thank you for the way that you love us.